0: never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn Hi, guys. Around. Welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube. And as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Nev. Another fantastic day for an interview. And I've got Laura Petracek with me. Laura is a woman who has been able to focus her practice on living in the moment. And this is such a skill that needs to be practiced and we need to be taught how to do it yet so many people actually um never get the privilege to do so they are on their rat race they're on their hamster wheel going 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 rather than mm-hmm. stopping and actually learning a bit more about themselves and using this gift of introspection and living and focusing right now on the here and now uh they're 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 missing out on actually using this gift in their life to enrich their life, to make their life that life that they really want to live, so that they don't have to escape their reality. And Laura is here today with us to actually talk about dialectical behavior therapy, which has at its core to live now. And that is beautiful. So let's live now with Laura Petrocek. Welcome to my show.
1: Thank you, Stefan. So glad to be here. Thank uh, you for having me.
0: When did you get uh, initially exposed to to behavioral therapy, dialectic be, uh, behavioral therapy?
1: So I was initially exposed to DBT or dialectical behavioral therapy probably about ten or twelve years ago. I uh, there was an in service training about DBT. And then I went to a couple of professional workshops. Hmm. And then personally, as a client, got introduced to DBT about four, four and a half years ago. And I went through a DBT program myself as a client. Hmm.
0: And that's the most powerful thing for us to do, isn't it? When we are leaders within the field to suddenly get exposed to be recipients of the exactly same thing that we are sort of talking about and experiencing. So challenge, challenge. and Well, I
1: don't think it's a challenge I um, would have chosen necessarily <laughs> unless I needed it. <laughs> I mean, I, um, I talk in my book that I went through a very deep depression and despair after my only daughter left home for college. And... At that time, I think I was around 40 years clean and sober, and just nothing was working. Um, I'm also in recovery. I have bipolar disorder, and that was making things even a little bit more difficult for me. And so my psychiatrist suggested, uh, well, no, initially they were trying this new, I don't know, type of treatment for depression that backfired and triggered my mania and just unfortunately made things worse. And then he suggested I go through their six-month DBT program. Hmm. And so I said yes. And that's how I personally got involved with DBT, Hmm. even though intellectually I was very familiar with it. Yeah.
0: Did you recognize your own symptoms at the time?
1: Well, I definitely recognize my mania symptoms, yeah, because I. When, when was, I was the
0: original d- uh, diagnosis made of you being? Pregnant?
1: Uh, when I was three years clean and sober, so Very I was twenty-one.
0: Cool. And
1: cool. it scared. It was horrible. I was so scared. I had uh, was crying more and more. I ended up. I was going to five meetings a day and feeling worse. And I called my sponsor in the middle of the night and said. Uh, you know, because I was feeling suicidal and hopeless. And she took me to a rehab, even though I hadn't relapsed, but I was afraid to go to a psych ward. So, um, and that's where they did a bunch of tests. And at that time it was called manic depressive illness. And now it's called bipolar. And then I'd been, you know, not, I didn't have any issues. And well, I had issues, but not a manic break until, like four years ago because of this uh it's called transcranial magnetic stimulation Mm -hmm. and that totally backfired so it made things worse and uh so yeah i kind of grabbed on like with aa they say you know grab on with both hands and get in the middle of the lifeboat and that's pretty much what i did with dbt for my mental health
0: beautiful absolutely beautiful but it only shows that uh, there are so many modalities out there and mm-hmm. many of them are potentially life-saving as so yeah. many proponents of these, these uh, expert inputs uh, will will testify. Um, and it's absolutely fine. That's normal. But it is not right for people to sort of think, oh, I go to, to one doctor, he will make a diagnosis, then he will treat me and there's a magic pill, and it's going to be all fine. And then, um, you know, uh, a week later, I'm all happy. Yeah, about that. That doesn't tend to work. Um, mm-hmm. And it's intriguing because here you were, you're a psychologist for many, many years. Um, you have been exposed, you would think, about to many uh, different uh, therapy approaches. Um, mm-hmm. the, what made DBT different? Than the stuff that you previously yeah. used, because no doubt, had I spoken to you twenty years ago, you would have given me a completely different insight and would have given me no, no, no. That's how we deal with depression. That's what. That's how we do it. Yeah. So, what what were some of the approaches you had previously used in your professional field?
1: Um. Well, one huge difference is that DBT is a you're in a group mm. now a 12-step is in a group and so part of the beauty of recovering or healing in a group is learning that we're not alone Mm. other people are like me we learn from other people they learn from us Mm. and so dbt is a group format Mm. um which you know the group in and of itself is healing Mm. um so previously i mean there well not previously there is a lot of different Modalities for treating depression or anxiety. But um, this one, you know, DBT helps with emotional dysregulation. That was the main challenge I was facing, and that's why the DBT was recommended. You know, I didn't have that 12-step, you know, they call uh, finding that even ground or my uh, first sponsor said wear the world like a loose garment. Well, I was doing anything but (laughs) when I had been triggered into this mania, I did not wear the world like a loose garment. I, yeah, it was not a good situation. But DBT teaches us how to get to that place as the 12 steps do um, in terms of recovery.
0: And I think there's there is the all these programs um, have got some sense, and we sometimes think, "Oh, there's this one program that has worked for me, brilliant. That's my program." Not realizing that actually you are growing, you are changing in your own right, and whilst one uh, program or one approach might be really, really good for you um, right now maybe in two years right. time there is you have developed into another person maybe new challenges came along that that mm-hmm. maybe um bring out the need for another uh, treatment that is maybe less focused on the, on right now but maybe it could be something that needs to address your ptsd and maybe there are All some right. sub therapies that might then come out exactly. for that so uh, it's so important to see uh, that all as a continuum of a journey and a journey that uh, leads through the all parts of the world. There are times when you need to climb a mountain and you need some the proper gear to get up the mountain. There are the times when you have to walk mm-hmm. through a desert. Well, if you have your mountain climbing gear on and everything to help you climb a mountain, but you now need yeah. to walk through the desert, yeah, it doesn't work so well. So things change. And yes. therefore to actually be exposed to, to mm-hmm. a new approach, even if you guys have been dealing with other systems, well, that's beautiful.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Your DBT. DBT was originally developed for patients with borderline personality disorder. Um
1: mm-hmm.
0: the with that kind of background, um, how does it come? Does it that it works so well for um other Um, other folks who don't have their wiring uh, wrong in a hardwired approach.
1: Yes. Um, Well, they've done, uh, Dr. Linehan and her uh, crew have done a lot of research and other psychologists have started applying the um, four different modules and modalities and tools So for DBT for trauma, DBT for anxiety, DBT for depression, DBT for overeating, um, because a thread that kind of runs through all of those diagnoses is emotional dysregulation. And that's what DBT targets. So I think regardless of the diagnosis, at least for the most part, DBT, and now it's being applied to um, drug and alcoholism, more and more treatment centers are using DBT as part of their modality and treatment. And that's probably only within the last three or four years.
0: Which is absolutely beautiful that that is coming home. Yeah because I certainly I have myself gone through a AA uh, or a 12step program, shall I say and that was incredibly helpful to me to deal with alcohol that I was using to escape my reality. So then I was sober <laughs> now what <laughs> um And it was yeah. then that actually mm-hmm. the the 12-step program uh, fell a little bit short. Having said that, I, I, uh, I expose myself to many other approaches to to doing, I run this show. So therefore, I get exposed to uh, different ways of thinking. And with mm-hmm. every single show that I do, I learn something new. And I learn something that maybe I can use to become a better version of myself. And I think right. that is the, the, the privilege that we have got when we are in sobriety, because we actually can move forward and can actually really figure out who are we and it's Mm -hmm. a very convoluted and meandering path I can tell you that
1: Uh, (laughs) yeah it's not a straight trajectory no is it no
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh dear oh dear so when when you uh, get got exposed to dbt um what was your trajectory how did it work out for you here you were in this manic state. And for those of you who are not so sure what we are talking about, um, there is a, a certain kind of level where we maybe say, hey, this is really a normal mood, uh not too high, not too low, your beautiful set point. When you have got uh, the bipolar disorder means that you're cycling through periods that are very, very active hyperactive crazily hyperactive and then periods where you're really really down and out and those hyperactive uh crazy moments and crazy is a weird word to use but I mean I just want to talk plain language here um it is really you are out there you are you are going thousand miles an hour. You're typically talking very, 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 very fast. And I need to get myself. Oh, please, I need a Porsche. No, I want to buy two Porsches. And then let me drive to at hundred twenty miles an hour to to go shopping. And then crash the car. It doesn't matter. I buy another car. And it's beautiful. That is the pace and the chaos uh, of mm-hmm. going through a manic episode. And it's mm-hmm. it's brutal. People are are incredibly affected by it, especially when then things start going wrong. were mm-hmm. there moments like that with you where or was yeah, it? yeah I actually was
1: um in, in the beginning of my book I will briefly talk about um pain is inevitable suffering is optional. Mm. in 1979, just shy of three years sober, my emotions began to unravel. I put security deposits on three different apartments. My thoughts spiraled out of control and were not coherent to those around me. I was talking in what they call word salad. People at AA suggested I attend more meetings, work another step, or sponsor more people. I understood they meant well and I took their suggestions, but I sank deeper into despair. I became more depressed and woke up every morning sobbing. I was very fortunate to have sober women and men in my life, including my sponsor, who lovingly and without judgment encouraged me to get outside help. One night, feeling suicidal and hopeless, I called my sponsor at 3 a.m. She brought me to a safe place, a rehab. What if I was both crazy and an alcoholic? I was afraid of going to a psychiatric ward. After taking a series of psychological tests, the psychiatrist diagnosed me with bipolar disorder. At first, I was resistant to taking the medication because I had heard it said in the rooms that if you take medication, it doesn't qualify you as being sober. And this is back in
0: 1979.
1: Um, Finally, I agreed to accept that medication could help me. The psychiatrist alleviated, the psychiatrist put me on lithium and began to reduce the symptoms of mania and alleviate my depression. Beautiful. So, yeah, the manic, and then it comes again 30 years later. You know, I'm going along, and then when this particular treatment, TMS, backfired or triggered my mania, that's that was even a more scary time than when I was three years sober.
0: Um, yeah. Because you, you think you got it all together. You think, yeah, okay, I'm just a bit low. And suddenly this big black box, when we start messing around up here, um, it yeah. can actually, interesting things can happen. Um, yes. And again, it's important that we recognize that there was a damn good reason that your, your treatment uh, providers were suggesting this approach it's not that our that we doctors sort of wake up one morning and sort of think okay how can we stuff up another life let's see um <laughs> trust me no that doesn't happen but okay. sometimes tablets sometimes non-medication therapies can all backfire can all have side effects or can mm-hmm. can very much change the whole the whole picture sometimes new right. things come up um, so whilst that therapy and that uh, treatment uh, might fit well with a diagnosis that you've got or a problem that you've got, you might have a number of other problems that suddenly raise the ugly head. So it's right. just good to say that wow, uh, okay, someone tried something, it didn't work, cool, now what's the next step? Rather than saying, oh, it should have worked because not it's all your fault, so go, go away, mm. I don't want to know. Um obviously people people were looking out for you there yes so i i wonder when you were initially exposed to dbt what were sort of the insights that struck you because you knew it beforehand
1: right right
0: suddenly you get exposed to it and you think oh come on i know all of that what
1: made it well yeah that was kind of my attitude in a sense or I could run it better than you are yeah exactly we are just arrogant we? (laughs) yeah um but I think what um really or well a few things I mean hearing other people share their story I was like oh that's me or oh that's me you know and their story wasn't about alcohol or drugs It was about emotional dysregulation. And I thought, well, I'm, you know, 40 years clean and sober. So this, you know, alcohol or drugs aren't the problem that's causing this. So so that was one thing. And then another was they give you homework assignments every week. And, you know, I started practicing the tools I was learning. And lo and behold, my life started getting better.
0: You know, funny that is isn't it <laughs> exactly. it's funny how you that works take action <laughs> yeah
1: well actually you know listen to what to to allow ourselves to be directed yeah because even being in sobriety I can be very willful so um <laughs> so true I know that's a new one for people but anyway uh, not really uh, I'm just teasing but um so that you know made a big impact and um And I think, honestly, the biggest uh, selling point for me was, um, unfortunately, my bipolar disorder, even though I wasn't manic, there were still symptoms over the years, and uh, it affected my relationship with my daughter, and we were somewhat estranged um, at that time. But now, we're really close again, and... I mean, it's taken like five years, but these tools have really helped to not just rebuild my relationship with her or build it better, but also, you know, my relationships in general. Um, so that's, you know, another thing Um but that's, that's,
0: a big a, that's a strength isn't it by working on your on your right. uh, regulation of your emotional regulation um you are and by taking time out to live in the moment you are learning the skills of listening you're learning the yeah. skills of of actually asking yourself hang on what she just said did I hear that right rather than immediately responding uh, like like you know a puff of uh, reacting. Dog. And that's right, exactly.
1: Yeah, uh, I was a big reactor. I was a big atomic reactor. <laughs> I was not a very good responder. I was you know, so good. Uh, good. And DBT tells you, you know, go back. Um so
0: I think that's so important. There are so many uh practical applications that are so important uh example of them two days ago i walked into theater um and the very first thing that the theater boss did told me okay now we are starting at 8 15 um uh, and i heard that as a you're late mm. and i got really pissed off not a good morning not nothing etc and i thought what the fuck I was starting to steam. There's probably the, the kind of frown come on my face. and But I caught myself. And mm-hmm. I turned around to my assistant and, and sort of said, that really pissed me off now. Um, and I actually verbalized it, verbalized my emotions. And then she told me the backstory, um, where that statement came from. And it was basically all the nurses had winched to her that the surgeon is not there, blah, blah, blah. Um, complete different story. But yeah. I could have gone, and that you put in there. That's right, and yeah. that was a very beautiful, beautiful uh, insight, and mm-hmm. I was grateful for that. And I made a point of feeding back both to the theater manager as well as yeah. to, to others uh, about that particular insight. So mm-hmm. to to just spread the the waves to actually say, hey guys, that just happened to me. So just be aware. And maybe, just maybe, uh, that day I put a bit of mindfulness and a bit of, bit of DBT into their head by just actually pointing that out. So that's the yeah. power of using that yes. in every day's life.
1: Mm-hmm. But you need to yeah, checking it out, hmm. you know, because we tend to, like, they, uh, one of the homework assignments that so actually it could be weekly is a thought record. Hmm. So here's the incident you know, here was our thought about the incident, and that's where we primarily get tripped up, and then what was our behavior following the thought, and then how was our feeling? So uh, the incident, uh, we started at A15, your thought, oh, she's, you know, reprimanding me in your behavior or feeling, feeling angry, and then getting the information, calming down, and then your feeling is not so upset. And so we tend to fill in the gap um, or fill in someone's motivation. and unfortunately, for most of us, we default to the negative. Mm. We rarely assume positive intent.
0: Nice.
1: We usually, especially alcoholics or addicts, we assume negative intent. And so part of one of the exercise was, you know, you're not a mind reader. That's one of the cognitive distortions is being a mind reader. There's eight altogether. Um, So ask them. So then that's big. You know, that wasn't that easy to say, you know, we had this conversation that was this what you meant? Because this is how I took it. And they're like, well, no, you know, but nine times out of 10, we believe what our assumption is and then act on that assumption. And then we're on a whole different road. Mm -hmm than what the person we're communicating with. So Very nice. my relationships got stronger or cleaner, I guess is the better word. Um, you know, checking out things, yeah. uh, assuming positive intent. Um, yeah. Beautiful,
0: beautiful. Give us a sneak free, a preview on the other uh, sort of insights, the other um, powerful kind of questions or Uh, ways of thinking that dbt entails
1: okay um so well dbt has four modules you talked about meditation or mindfulness and um that's learning how to uh, meditate both formally like let's say uh, listening to tara brock tapes but also informally following your breath um meditating in a group. I find I can meditate a lot longer in a group. Um, you know, interpersonal effectiveness. That's what I was just talking about. Um, and they really explain how to interact better with people, meaning um, the module includes teaching skills to attend to our relationships. To balance our priorities versus demands. um, Balancing our wants with our shoulds. Cultivating awareness of mastery and self-respect. So then, like several questions to kind of ask yourself. Um, Is this a priority, let's say... uh, You know, I had plans with my daughter and then someone else said, do you want to do something else? Mm -hmm. Um, Is it very important? Increase the intensity by asking or saying no. So it's like, wait, if I said no, no, that wouldn't work. That would not be good. The relationship is it weak, tenuous, fragile or injured. Then you need to put more attention to it. And self-respect. Is it on the line? So if I do go to, you know, lunch with this person, even though I already had made plans with someone else, yeah, that wouldn't be good for me. Hmm. And then it also talks about maintaining relationships. So, again, you it's almost like doing an inventory. Like, you know, you have a circle. So the people you're closest to are in the inner circle and then you keep going out. And then you use the tools depending on the level of intimacy. So maybe it's just a casual acquaintance, like a newcomer that met you at a meeting, called you and said, Oh, you know, want to have coffee. And you're like, Well, I have a podcast coach at that time. I can't. And they say, Well, I'm afraid I'm gonna drink. And then you're like, Well, I to yourself, I'm not gonna allow myself to be manipulated. I'm gonna here, you could call so and so and get back to me, you know, I wanna hear that you're okay afterwards. So, because to me, I would just drop everything, you know, yeah. I was the fixer, you know.
0: Um. Oh, please, I'm laughing here because ultimately I felt exactly the same. Uh Everyone else's problems uh, by fixing them, I was making myself feel good, the external yes. validation. Uh, yes, running around and uh, running away from dealing with my own problems. Um, mm-hmm. And our own feelings. Right. Absolutely. And it's just, oh, God, the moment you say it, I sort of flashback and remember, I think, oh, God, and it's still, yeah. we've got the same traits. Uh, still, I mean, they don't just go away, but with us no. being actually mindful.
1: I mean, yes, actually
0: um, catching ourselves earlier and earlier by practicing this mm-hmm. insightful life this intentional life um suddenly we can catch ourselves earlier and earlier and you're not making wrong decisions that you later regret um (laughs) but instead you rather say okay let's stop for a moment here what's that feeling in me anger okay right (laughs) Right. fall back hello nice anger (laughs) good anger (laughs) nice to see you again um is it appropriate that you're here today uh yes of course because that they did that to me, therefore,
1: right. look what
0: they did to me. <laughs> we need to have a drink. <laughs> yeah, about that, about that. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. So it is, it's so uh, wonderful to actually have that as a focus. So I think uh, DBT. There's some other,
1: there's, um. oh, excuse me. There's oh, sorry, one no. of the modules, Stefan. It's called um, Distress Tolerance. And it teaches distress tolerance skills. So one of the skills is called turning the mind Mm -hmm. or distracting yourself. So I have, um, you know, I I go on long walks at times and then my mind, I don't know, starts going. And then I have like this mantra. I do the third step, 11 step. Mm. Um, No, third 7-11 prayer, just two prayers to distract myself from wherever my crazy mind is going and get back on track. Um, Another skill is uh, half smile, which at first I I didn't really understand it. And it seemed like, why am I going to fake smile? That sounds silly. Um, But actually it helps neutralize and possibly um, lessens the escalation of certain feelings, like feeling down, annoyed, upset. And I have found it really helpful in meetings when I'm beyond bored and I just have this half smile. So it looks like I'm interested and pleasant. (laughs) And it helps. It's a way, and Mm -hmm. it's it's also very good during tough conversations. Mm -hmm. So instead of having this scowl on my face, Breathing, listening with the half smile, so I'm not totally pushing the other person away. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, That's probably something I need to work on. <laughs> in all fairness, that is, <laughs> you. sometimes I carry all my emotions straight in my nonverbal communication, straight on my mm-hmm. face. Again, yeah, a lot hair, of us do. The hairy eyeball. okay (laughs) so you know so so true so there's something to be said about that i would go even one step further um you are uh you are basically you have to do some quite hard work to be depressed so for example if you if you're depressed and normally sitting down well you can't be normal it doesn't feel right to be to be sitting like that you have to sort of slouch forward you have to make sure that you breathe very shallow You have to Mm -hmm. really focus on the misery in life. You have to probably let all emotions go out of your face. And there's a lot of work to be involved with that. Mm -hmm. Now, if you say, okay, yes, you're feeling down and out, but now I want you to do the the opposite. I want you to sit up, even poke your chest out, like in a hero stance. I want you to look up and now put a smile on there, a really big, stupid smile. And... Now, that is called to...
1: opposite reaction. And that
0: is a skill. Absolutely. So you are changing your state. You're changing yes. whatever yes. you are doing there. And suddenly it becomes so much harder to be depressed when you're grinning into the air in a superhero stance. Um, and it is you have interrupted the pattern. You have learned what, uh, what just a simple series of movements mm-hmm. can do to yeah. you
1: exactly and that's why the same thing with the half smile Mm. they've done a lot of research how this uh, releases endorphins and lifts your mood you know and and the opposite reaction also helps a lot in our interactions with people like for example i was um i was probably like five no i guess it was longer yeah they just had their anniversary my niece At her wedding about nine years ago, I ran into my sister, and we hadn't talked in like three or four years. Mm. And um, she, I don't know, she was talking, saying something, and I, excuse me, I just felt myself getting angry, like I wanted to get into it. And then I remembered that skill opposite reaction. So instead of arguing, I started laughing hysterically. Excellent. Ooh. But you know, then they start, she started laughing like, what are we talking about? Like, you know, how important is it? What what are we, I haven't seen you. Come here. Give me a hug. Why? Nice.
0: Oh, what an outcome. Look at that. Yeah.
1: It really was. And that was new for me because I would have gotten into it. Yeah. You know, like, oh, well you said this and I said that and, you know, you just put a needle on the record yeah. For those kind of discussions well that's yeah. right
0: that's right what you need to do is take a big screwdriver onto the vinyl vinyl yeah. for the, the those people who are a bit bit younger um it was a weird funny thing that you put onto a turning table and there was a little needle and you suddenly had sound coming out very very cool show.
1: yeah
0: um yeah so vinyl but the problem is if there's a scratch on it, uh then this song will never sound the same again and if right. you now exactly. go with a really big screwdriver on there well <laughs> it's really really hard for you to feel in the same way again mm-hmm. so
1: mm-hmm. here's your
0: here's your chance so this is this is something that you can practice regardless exactly. of in which situation you are in now you're essentially mm-hmm. practicing to be a better human Uh, you're you're trying to be the best version of yourself and that's uh that's where dbt comes into its own because it allows you to do so and guess what Mm -hmm. you don't have to be quotation mark crazy whatever kind of label you put on yourself um to just actually learn to live intentional in this moment now that's a gift that's where many yeah. many meditation practices um are putting hours and hours days weeks months of meditation into to achieve that um mm-hmm. and that's there's nothing wrong with that but maybe there is a right. uh, there is a more insightful way of approaching that and i think that's dbt uh it's certainly for for a person who thinks a lot like me um it to suddenly get the mirror hold and held in front of my face and being yes. explained what is actually happening just that inside mm-hmm. can be so powerful and that's where I guess you come in Laura because I mean, that is that's why you don't just read a book about it and start practicing it you really you want to get the, the best out of it and I think that's where the guidance from from a professional comes in that's where you as a psychologist come in isn't it
1: mm-hmm. yes that's very true
0: um, and, and I think that the key thing is you don't know what you don't know. So, therefore, I think that was always mm-hmm. the, the thing for me. So, if people actually want to learn more about you, I mean, you have just uh, got a book out. Tell us more about your book.
1: Sure. Um, so, my book is the DBT Workbook for Alcohol and Drug Addiction. Perfect. And how I uh, structure the book, Stefan, was. Um, I took each step, step one through 12, as each chapter. So step one is chapter one. One second, my dog is like. All right, Treffles, you go. So I have step one, and then I have.
0: Stop, stop, stop. Give us us five seconds for you to be back in so that I can cut. Uh, at that. Oh, so, yeah. in, fi- in five seconds, uh, silence, <laughs> then use that talking. Okay.
1: Okay. So, step one, uh, I have on um, the left side of the page and then the DBT equivalent of uh, tools on the right. And then I put them together throughout the chapter. I weave the step and some questions about step one and then some dbt skills that will help us address our powerless and unmanageability maybe in a a better way um and then step two you know um came to believe so here's step two on the left and the right is some dbt skills to help us further do a deeper dive into step do and the dbt skills actually throughout the book help those in recovery to do a deeper dive which each of those steps and it adds um to our toolbox you know aa has maybe 20 30 tools dbt has 200 Mm, you know i mean we've come it's been 80 years later a lot more therapies and um Tools to help people with mental health issues, with living issues, have been uh, discovered.
0: And that's so that's so true. And if it, let's go back. The we are not speaking against AA or against a twelve step no. program whatsoever. No. We are no. just saying that that ultimately, and, um, yeah. that's right. There is more to life than just the AA framework or a twelve step framework. Right. I love the twelve-step framework. I mean, that's that framework. Oh yeah, there's, there's a framework out there. I mean, that's the reason I I wrote my steps to sobriety, which is my book where I, I oh. looked at the um, at the twelve steps, but in a modern approach. Um, I put some oh, language to it and to actually allow. Uh, allow people to sort of maybe move away from the, the kind of dusty uh, church basements where somehow religion gets pushed down our throat that's actually mm-hmm. not really what the 12-step program is about so therefore right, I right. I put it into modern terms but in my own experience I have Um, I have gone through the 12 steps, but nowadays when I compare the 12 steps to what I'm actually doing nowadays, uh, it's I have moved on. Um, I have now different needs um, to Mm -hmm. manage me and bring me forward. And Mm -hmm. uh, that is, I guess, where DBT comes in. Um, I guess Mm -hmm. I'm practicing probably a lot of DBT without knowing it. (laughs) So (laughs) here you go. Um, But this uh, this is basically a new framework where uh oh. people can gain new insights about themselves and maybe with those insights maybe seek more specialized care if that is required um mm-hmm. maybe they have they have begun to realize that maybe there was more trauma there in the past that had not been yet dealt with appropriately and etc so yeah. it is it is it is an opportunity for you to explore yourself and have, have a searchlight a searchlight into the deep dark nooks and crannies in your head um with the question is how can we live a life that is worthwhile living and i think yes if we approach it from that point of view that is i think really laura where you you and your book come in and if people want to know more about you where can they find you
1: so good question they could find me at my website at laura petrogic phd.com um, I hopefully you could spell this out in your absolutely you
0: well. absolutely okay. guys. look down um, there into the description of the YouTube video um, it's a beautiful um, name Petracek oh that just no, rings up my bell um, but yeah if unless you've got an interest in in, in uh, European history uh, you probably don't know how to write so look down there into the description of the YouTube video all her social media handles are there
1: Yes, Um, okay, good. My social media handles and, um, of course, the DBT workbook for Alcohol and Drug addiction, and also my first book, the Anger Workbook for Women.
0: Oh, should be mandatory reading as far as most men are concerned.
1: (laughs) Well, I think in women too, to tell you the truth.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We all need to learn about that because anger (laughs) and and. uh, all those negative emotions god they can hold us hostage um until we actually free ourselves by learning more about them by seeing Mm -hmm. them as messengers that things are not right within your body yeah Um, yeah and once you start gaining those insights suddenly you're no longer a slave to your emotions and that's Mm. that's powerful that's exactly
1: yeah
0: uh laura you're an amazing woman thank you very much i mean you have done uh you must have helped hundreds and probably thousands of people over the decades mm-hmm. of of you or uh, doing direct face to face uh treatments but now for you to actually put those things in writing and therefore expose a much larger clientele to the. Uh, ways of improving yourself that's gorgeous so congratulations on your book and thank you Stefan. absolutely so and, and, and i know you. having written books there is a lot of work behind it and a lot of insights oh, yeah. and personal things so um it is beautiful. I, I will actually uh, will buy your book, and
1: oh, thank you. Uh,
0: oh, hell yes! And I will actually, uh, more importantly, go through it, not just have it sitting in somewhere nice uh, to hold an other books up, but actually, rather see what the lessons are that I can still learn. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there will be one insight after the other, just waiting to come out, and that's yeah. a beautiful. Yes. Um, you even if you think you know about something, the moment you are actually taking it serious and going through it again, you will learn so much more. Uh, exactly. I can't wait. I can't wait to become a better, a, a better, a uh, better person um, as than than the guy who woke up this morning. And mm-hmm. if I achieve that, if I learn something new about me, then this is a good day. <laughs> so, Laura, very good day. Lori, you're an amazing woman. Thank you so oh, much for coming so onto my show and sharing. And thank you so much it. for having me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You and right. so you look after yourself and you guys out there, look after yourself and really live with passion. What will you do right now when you stop this interview? What can you do to make you a better person? Maybe rehydrate, maybe stretch yourself, maybe find your significant other and give him a big kiss. And if it's your dog, just be careful what he kissed before. So maybe, maybe, maybe modulate that a little bit, but go out there and take action and make this new mm-hmm. day Okay, mm-hmm. Look after yourselves. Bye.
1: Bye, Stefan. Thank you again.
0: I never give
1: up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn around.